worship at Hollywood United Methodist Church. We are glad you have joined us in person and online on this Baptism of the Lord Sunday. If you're on online, please get a teaspoon of water or something before the sermon so that you can also remember your baptism at home. Let us now stand as we are able for our opening hymns.
It is time for our children's moment. I know I have a couple of you out there, so come on up, join me on the steps. I don't ever want to be here alone. Thank you, Gabriel. Thank you, Maddie. Charlotte, I won't make you come up here because you are officially not a little child anymore. But thank you, Maddie. Thank you, Gabriel. Good morning, everybody. Oh, they always sit so far from me. I'm going to have to scoot down. So today, who knows what we are kind of celebrating based on what's right in front of us? Baptism. Baptism. Today is Baptism Sunday. That's right. Did you notice that both of the... My Apple Watch. I have no idea how to use this thing, and it just is talking to me. Sorry. Um, we were just sang two songs, and they both talked about water. I don't know if you noticed that. Do, do either of you know if you have been baptized? Do you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. And were you a baby? What about you, Gabriel? Do you know? Um, yes. When you were a baby? Exactly, no. You don't exactly remember. Well, and that's usually, uh, sometimes that's true because we're really, really, sometimes babies are baptized as we are going to have today. And we don't really remember that, but it's a way of, a, of our families saying, God, this child, we thank you for this child. This child is yours. We want to be part of this community, community of faith. We want this child that we're raising to be raised to, uh, in this community of faith. And then later in life, you make that decision for yourself in confirmation, and you remember your baptism. So today is all about that. We're going to talk about that in children's church. And normally, we rush off to children's church after this time right here. But today, we're actually going to go back to our seats so we can be part of the baptism. Okay? So let's pray, and then we'll go back to our seats. Father, thank you for Gabriel, thank you for Maddie, thank you for all of the children of our church and the youth of our church, those that are here today, those that are online. Um, we look forward to the day when we're all sitting on these steps together and worshiping together, but today we, we celebrate uh, our baptisms, we celebrate the baptism that we're going to witness, and we thank you for all that it symbolizes, that you have given us your spirit. You have brought us into a community that we are part of a family that's bigger than our biological family, that we're part of a family of faith. Help us to honor that and remember that and always um, thank you for this place and this community that we're a part of. We pray in your name. Amen. Okay, let's go back to our seats. Daniel has brought his family today. Whoa, that's really loud. Okay, maybe it's the mask. Uh, but Daniel, Luke, we're so glad to have John and Jesse as part of the congregation. And Daniel, I just want to grab your little cheeks, but I'm not going to. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift to us offered without price. And so, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, say, I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, 
and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. Will you nurture this child, Daniel Luke, in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself, to profess his faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? Let us pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit, O God, to bless this gift of water and he who receives it, to wash away his sin and clothe him in righteousness that throughout his life, that dying and being raised with Christ, he may share in his final victory. Okay. You ready, Daniel? It's just a little cold, sorry. Daniel Luke, I baptize you in the name of the Father. Oh, yeah. And the Son. Oh, you don't know what's happening. And the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit pour out your spirit on, you, on this child that he may always know that he is a beloved disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. And your parents can take a shell to remind them of this day and your baptism. He's been smiling. I've been watching him. He's been just smiling all night. He knows what's happening. Let us pray. Gracious God, we're grateful to you for this day, for Daniel Luke and his parents and grandparents and godparents. We're grateful that they are part of this community of faith, and we pray that we will be able to guide Daniel as he grows and nurtures his faith in you. We pray this in the name of Jesus our Christ. Amen. And now I'd like to invite you to stand where you are and socially distanced, wave at someone near you. Uh, may the peace of Christ be with you. Please join us in this moment of preparation as we receive the choral introduction to prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, we are grateful today for the sun that rose, the blue skies, our family and friends, 
and for the remembrance of our baptism. For this gift of the water of life that washes over us, renews us, and reminds us that we indeed are yours, you have claimed us. Thank you. Let the remembrance of this baptism of these waters refresh us this morning. Let them serve as a reminder of all we are and all we are becoming. Dear God, we invite you to be with those who struggle, who are sick, who are wandering and lost. Let them be filled with the newness of you. Heal in the presence of your Holy Spirit and know the joy in your presence. In fact, we pray this for all of us because we cannot go through each day without you. You are our rock and our savior and our hope. When times are tough and when joy is present, you bring light into the world. This morning we pray for all those impacted by the ongoing pandemic. And dear God, we pray for healing. We pray for safety. We pray for financial stability. God, we confess to you with heavy hearts that we are tired, that we are weary in this journey, that we are ready for this to be over with, and yes, dear God, we are frustrated. Give us the strength to stay the course and the faith to remember that deliverance is coming and that the love that we need comes from you to help us center the welfare of others before our own convenience. We offer ourselves to you in your service, ready and grateful to help transform this broken and hurting world. We pray for others in our community this morning. We pray for Norma and for Ruth, for Anthony and for Joey. We pray for your strength for them and for healing. And dear God, now we take a moment of silence to offer up the prayers that on our hearts and minds, we know that you hear them even if words are not spoken. We offer up all this and more to your ever-present spirit and the strength that you bring. We are grateful for your son, Jesus Christ, whose newness is still with us in this post-Christmas season, and who came to this world to live amongst us, to know us, to love us, and taught us to pray. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning. 
It's wonderful to see you here both in our sanctuary and online. We're so grateful for you participating in worship this morning with us on this beautiful uh, sun second Sunday of the year. We have a few announcements to share with you. You'll be able to see the slides here or online. For more details, you can also visit our website. Giving statements will be sent via email tomorrow, January 10th, and they will need to be downloaded out of your emails by the 23rd, so check your emails. If you need those statements, please do that. If you're unable to receive them by email, contact the office. Next week, we are gonna begin our third Sunday of the month call to action. Every third Sunday of the month, we're gonna be exploring an issue that impacts our community and our world a little bit more deeply here at Hollywood, both a little bit in our services and afterwards with a special program that will not only educate us, but give us an opportunity to put our faith into action in the world. The very first one of the year, we are really excited to welcome Lewis Abramson, who's the chair of the Outreach Committee and the Homeless Committee of the Central Hollywood Neighborhood Council, to share with us a little bit about the work that's being done right here in the heart of Hollywood to address the needs of our houseless neighbors. It's a work that involves our community and all of our neighbors coming together. And we're also gonna learn more about the Los Angeles homeless count, which is coming, and learn what that count does and why it's so important for us to participate in it and support it. Our church will be participating in the Los Angeles Homeless Count in two different ways. There'll be a count here in Hollywood, and there'll be a count in Toluca Lake, actually meeting at the parking lot of our sister uh, congregation, our second campus at Harmony in Toluca Lake. You can sign up online, and they are sending people out in cars in a socially distanced way to do this count, or you can sign up next Sunday here after church, and we could put teams together. We're gonna have a little short program after the service so that we hope that you'll stay and join us, and it's gonna be really great. Our guest is really exciting and knowledgeable, and it will be a great opportunity for us to learn a little bit more about what's happening in our community, and I hope that you'll come. Also, in the same weeks, this is a very busy month, we're really excited to be hosting two town halls on Zoom. That's for us, it's for our congregation. We're gonna gather with you online on Zoom to hear about what you have ideas for for our ministry and share with you about what's coming in the new year. Um, are you thinking about how we're present online or our digital ministries? Do you have ideas about arts and worship? We wanna hear from you and we hope that you will hop online. Even if you don't have any great ideas, maybe you wanna come and learn about what's going on or be supportive. We'd love to see you on Zoom January 20th or the 24th at 7 p.m. We have two dates so everybody who can participate or who would like to participate can participate. And I wanted to share with you also that today at 5.30 online, there's going to be an incredible concert hosted by First Congregational Church called Fulfilling the Dream for Housing Justice, featuring our own incomparable, wonderful John West, who will be playing the organ. Um, the prelude begins at 5.30, so log on at 5.30, and the concert begins at 6 o'clock. Uh, the work that is this uh, concert is about is really important, and if you want to make an online donation, you're able to do that as well. And lastly, all of the work that we do here at our church, all of the ministries that we participate in, everything that you experience is really made possible um, by your generous gifts, your presence, your time, and your tithes. So we invite you to give as generously as you are able to helping us bring Christ's work to fruition in our own community, to building the beloved community and healing a broken world. You can give online, you can give in the basket outside the door, you can send a check to the office, um, we appreciate all of your gifts, and please know that they go directly to the work that we do here, serving our community and building this place that welcomes all and lets all people know that they are loved by God and by you, our congregation. 
That's my announcements, and I look forward to seeing you next Sunday after church for the call to action time. from Luke. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, and with you I am well pleased. 
Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. As we begin this new year, still in the seemingly never-ending midst of COVID and its variants, we're going to spend some time this month talking about what we think Jesus would say about some of the controversial issues that we are also facing in this time. What would Jesus say about critical race theory or women or the church? But we're going to start out in a different mode Today on Baptism of the Lord Sunday, we'll consider the question, what would Jesus say about me? But before we do that, let's first think about what it meant for Jesus to be baptized by John. As April just read in Luke's Gospel, Jesus has headed out to see his cousin John. We remember that they knew each other from the time they were each in the womb. Did they grow up together, play together, suffer the horrible adolescence of acne together experience? Uh, we don't know. But we do know that John heard a different call than his parents, Elizabeth and Zechariah, who had been pillars of the temple. John had moved from the center of power growing up out to the fringe. As John the Baptist, he had been gathering folks at the Jordan, offering them God's grace through repentance. For centuries, the Jewish people had understood the symbolic power of ritual washing, but John had a different emphasis in his. John believed that baptism was God's initiative and God's doing, something that we could not do for ourselves. And John didn't offer them cheap grace. He said they had to fully repent to really and truly receive the blessings and the gift of God's grace. Now, earlier in the same chapter, the part we didn't read, John had called those persons who had come for baptism a brood of vipers. That's some kind of a moniker, isn't it? A brood of vipers. And he told them that they needed to bear fruits worthy of repentance, not just to rely on their heritage of Abraham. But when pressed about what that meant, John told the people, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. The scriptures tell us that even tax collectors came to be baptized. And he said, they said, teacher, what should we do? And he told them, don't collect any more than you're due. Soldiers came to him and said, and, and what should we do, teacher? And he said to them, don't extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations. And be satisfied with your wages. It's really no wonder that many thought John was the Messiah himself. But then along came Jesus, claiming the moment to show his cousin Jordan and the people who had gathered along the riverbanks that he was both one of them and one who had been sent by God to show a different way of living and loving. Debbie Thomas wrote this week that Reminding us that John Dominic Crossan tells us that Jesus' baptism was an acute embarrassment for the early church because it didn't fit this triumphalist messianic image the church had hoped to portray. Why would the Son of God place himself under the tutelage of a rabble-rouser like John the Baptist? Why would a supposedly sinless Messiah need a baptism of repentance? Did Jesus really want to align himself with the folks who streamed into the wilderness to listen to John, that brood of vipers? 
weren't they desperate, broken, tainted, and sinful? Why would God choose such an odd moment in the Messiah's life to part the clouds and call Jesus the beloved? Why indeed? But unbelievable as it seems, Jesus' first public act is an, an act of alignment, of radical and humble joining. You see, Jesus' first step is a step towards us. So family, in a nutshell, and the sermon could just end here, but it won't. Um, what would Jesus say about me, about you, about all of us? That you are God's beloved children in whom God is well pleased. You see, that is what God is saying to each of us, that you are my beloved ones, not because you've done anything to earn it or deserve it, not because of your social status or gender or income or any other metric you could think of. You are God's beloved child because God's very nature, inclination, and desire is to love. The waters of baptism mark us with the sign of God's grace that comes to us even before we know it's there, even before we know God exists and remains with us always. That's what John Wesley called prevenient grace. But the question, let's think about the question. What would Jesus, what would Jesus say about me? Well, I think Jesus would say that we're all worthy of receiving God's love. We are all worthy of receiving God's love. John Pavlovitz has a new book out that I'm about halfway through. It's entitled, If God is Love, Don't Be a Jerk. And there's a really great quote in the second chapter about some of the harmful theological baggage that some of us accumulate over the years. We talked about some of our experiences at our Zoom conversation last Wednesday night, and I imagine some of those things will surface again this Wednesday night at six o'clock. You're welcome to join us. Now, I was gonna share that passage with you, a piece of it anyway, but, well, I came to my office on Thursday and found out that a nest of wasps has decided to inhabit my office. And after the custodians had kindly killed number five, I decided I was going home. And so I went home, and I, but I, before I said, just gave me my purse, and I left the book on my desk. So I will share that with you at some point, that quote. So, you know, we've got wasps, we've got a plague. I'm just waiting for the locusts to arrive. Happy New Year. But none of that takes away from the reality that each of us, and yes, I'm talking to you if you think I'm not, I am talking to you. You are worthy of God's love. Do you mess up from time to time? Of course. Have you already broken all of your New Year's resolutions? Sure you have. But do you recognize and do you claim the inherent goodness that God has given you? Are you, like me, in that group known as the brood of vipers that needs to repent and seek God's grace that we know is not cheap? Are you committed to this journey of Christ following for the long haul? More to the point, do you believe that you are a child of God? If you said yes to those, then you are worthy of God's love, and Jesus says so. This I know. 
The great Episcopal priest and author Barbara Brown Taylor tells a story about her grandmother Lucy. Lucy would often get strange looks from others. She had lost both of her legs to diabetes and had wooden stumps where her legs should be. Her weak eyes required that she wear dark glasses and most of the time she dressed like a bomber pilot. But to her granddaughters, Lucy was wonderful. Whenever Barbara would visit her grandmother, grace would abound. In the closet, there'd be wrapped packages, enough for a surprise each day of the week. The meals were delicious and always had dessert. And then there, there were shopping trips to buy new dresses and hair bows. But the best part, Taylor writes, were the baths. Each night, Grandma Lucy would draw a hot bath filled with suds and with her big sponge, she would polish Barbara's skin. And then she would anoint after the bath her granddaughter's arms with lotion. And the perfect ending would be the evening in Paris dusting powder when Lucy would tickle Barbara with a pale blue powder puff. And she writes, when Grandma Lucy was done, I knew that I was precious. I was absolutely convinced that I was loved and nothing has happened since to shake that conviction. So family, if an imperfect grandmother can enable her imperfect granddaughters to feel so precious and so loved, how much more does God want us to feel the same way as a result of God's powerful, incomparable, and unending love for each of us and for all of us? The New Testament scholar Marcus Borg suggests that Jesus himself is the one who shows us the God that we long for. He's the one who stands in line with us at the water's edge, willing to immerse himself in shame and scandal, repentance and pain, so that we might all hear the only voice that can tell us who we are and whose we are. Listen, we are God's own, God's children. Even in the deepest water, we are the beloved. And because we are God's beloved, inherent in our baptism is a, is a new beginning that comes with a call to serve, to love others as we have been loved, to bring forth the beloved community in future ways that we cannot comprehend in the present. So as Pastor Bridie mentioned in the announcements, to dream about what both digital ministry and in-person ministry can look like at both of our campus in, campuses in this year, you're invited to a Zoom town hall meeting on the 20th, Thursday the 20th, or Monday the 24th at 7 o'clock. We'd love to have your ideas and input and just share with you how we can share God's love with each other during this time, this season, as we learn to live with COVID, as we face Omicron variant now and we will face future variants in the, down the road. We'd love for you to be part of that conversation. In closing, Bill, uh, Bishop Will Willimon tells the story of a pastor's words to a baby shortly after he had baptized her. No doubt the minister was speaking as much to the congregation as to the infant. Little sister, by this act of baptism, we welcome you to a journey that will take your whole life. This isn't the end. It's the beginning of God's experiment with your life. And we could say this to Daniel too. What God will make of you, Daniel, we cannot say... 
Where God will take you and surprise you, we cannot say. But this we do know and we can say that God is with you. And God will be with all of us as we live out our baptism, which we will now enter into a time of remembering. We're going to once again say yes to the grace that God surrounds us with each and every day and remember our baptism. Now, if you are an adult and have never been baptized in any church and would like to be, uh, or if you would have a child you'd like to be baptized, as was Daniel this morning, email me or Pastor Bridie, and we will joyfully make those arrangements. Now, if you are in the sanctuary, uh, pl please take the shell that you received when you first came in. And if you didn't receive one, our lead usher for today, Deb Whitaker, is walking down the aisle. So just raise your hand if you need a shell. I'm not seeing any hands, so. And now Pastor Bridie is now going to walk up the center aisle and sprinkle you all with water from an evergreen that comes from our baptismal font. And as she is doing that, will you please repeat after me? I am a beloved child of God. I remember my baptism. I am thankful. Amen.
Go forth this day remembering your baptism and being grateful. Go now in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. Thank you.